Yo, 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 yo. This is Neil Gorgeous. And today we're going to be talking about torts. All right. And let's just jump right into it. Okay. First, I want to start with intentional torts. Intentional torts. The prima facie case for intentional torts. First, there's got to be something done by the defendant, an act by the defendant. They have to have intent. And intent, the thing you want to know about, either they intended to cause the harm in which they caused, or remember this, write it down, take a picture. They had substantial certainty that the tortious conduct will result from their actions. Substantial certainty, remember that. There also has to be causation. All right, D, uh, the defendant's conduct must be a substantial factor in causing the harm. Next, I want to move to transferred intent. Transferred intent is basically this. You could transfer the intent to commit one tort to another tort. Say I intended to commit an assault on someone, but instead I actually made contact, you know, that harmful or offensive contact with their person. Now it's a battery. And I say, no, 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 I didn't intend to do a battery. I intended to do an assault. That doesn't matter. That's transferred intent. Also, it could go from person to person. Say I intended to commit a battery against Emily, but instead Neil Gorgeous committed a battery against Gary. Well, that doesn't matter. Okay. That transferred intent there. Okay. My original intent transfers to the tort actually committed or the person actually harmed, okay? And remember, this applies only to assault, battery, false imprisonment, and trespass to land or chattel, okay? You might want to remember that by coming up with some sort of mnemonic, like, um, let's see, tab F, tab F, I don't know. You know, I'm working on it. Next, let's talk about assault. The thing I want you to remember for assault is reasonable apprehension. Okay, and that's one of the elements. Did the defendant create a reasonable apprehension in the plaintiff? Okay. And the second element is of immediate or harmful, of immediate harmful or offensive contact. So it's basically battery. That's that's battery. We haven't gotten to battery yet, but... It's the harmful or offensive contact with the plaintiff's person. And so, remember, reasonable apprehension of harmful or offensive contact. Um, it doesn't matter if the, pe- the defendant is actually incapable of accomplishing it. You're going to remember this by thinking of the, uh, the unloaded gun. Okay? If someone points an unloaded gun at you, and uh, you, you have a reasonable apprehension of harmful or offensive contact, of course. You don't know it's unloaded. So if there's an apparent ability, remember that, reasonable apprehension to commit a battery. And as long as they have the apparent ability, we're all good. Next, let's move on to battery. Battery is the intentional Harmful or offensive contact to their person. Remember that harmful or offensive contact. That's the word we want. And how do we know if it's harmful or offensive? They said something about it exceeds 
the bounds of decency in a civilized society. You don't need to know all that. Just say, would a reasonable person think it's harmful? Would a reasonable person think it's offensive? That's all you need to know. And then to P's person, to the plaintiff's person, here's what I want you to remember with that. It's anything touching that plaintiff, whether it's their hat, their handbag, even if someone, I remember there was an example of someone riding on a horse and someone hit the shit out of the horse. That would be a battery on the plaintiff. Um... Oh, okay. One more thing. The causation, indirect contact, okay? If there's indirect contact, that'd be okay. So say you set out a tripwire and someone tripped over that. That's indirect contact. That's still a battery. All right, remember that. False imprisonment. Here's what I want you to remember for false imprisonment. I want you to remember the restraint or confinement to a bounded area. That's it. Remember, the defendant restrains the plaintiff to a bounded area. Now, one thing I want you to know about the restraining threats are enough. So if I say, don't you fuck come out of this room or I'll kill you. All right. I restrained him. Doesn't need to be physical. Also, remember, it's not the amount of time. Say I lock you in the room. You try and get out, you can't get out. And then I open the door immediately. That's a false imprisonment. All right. Now, you must be aware of or harmed by the bounded area, by the confinement. You you have to be limited in some way, your movement. And you also must not be aware of a reasonable means of escape. So say you had to crawl through a sewage line full of shit. You say, damn, Neil Gorgeous, I saw someone do that on Die Hard. Is that reasonable? No, that's not reasonable, okay? It's got to be a reasonable means of escape. One note here on false imprisonment, there's the shopkeeper's privilege. A store can detain a suspect if it had reasonable belief that a theft has occurred. They detain them for a reasonable period of time. And the detention was done in a reasonable manner. Basically, it's all reasonable. Okay? Next, intentional infliction of emotional distress. Here's all I remember. is extreme and outrageous conduct. Extreme and outrageous conduct. And it caused severe emotional distress. Okay? So, this is conduct... That exceeds the bounds of decency in society. Ooh, I knew that shit came from somewhere. Delete that. That wasn't on battery. It was on this bitch. Mere insults are not enough. Um, now, there's certain parts where it would be considered extreme and outrageous. Even if it wasn't outrageous usually. So if you know of the person's sensitivities or weaknesses. Okay. You know they hate their hips. And you say, you high-hipped, I don't know, some shit like that. Okay, you know of it and you make fun of that weakness. That might be enough. If it's continuous or repetitive, then it might be enough. So say I call you a stupid ass every day you come to work. 
every day. Now that's becoming to look outrageous. Also, there's certain fragile class members, and that's elderly children. (laughs) Wait, no, elderly people, children, and pregnant women. And then if you're a common carrier or an innkeeper, so if, say, you're running a hotel, you can't have... You can't go and, and, and call your, your, your guest a high-hipped dumbass. Because common carriers and innkeepers are supposed to be really nice to you. Alright? So those are the only times when the conduct might not be outrageous, but now it is. Severe emotional distress. Physical symptoms aren't needed. Um, but look out for times when... The plaintiff isn't really bothered. So it might be really outrageous conduct. But plaintiff isn't too bothered by it. Got to have that severe emotional distress. And then one thing to note about this. This is the only one with intentional in its name. Intentional infliction. And it could be done with recklessness. Recklessness. So, you know, uh, if, if they, the defendant just doesn't even care about the acts, the consequences of his acts. Okay, so what, what, what's our takeaway for intentional infliction? Extreme and outrageous conduct causing emotional distress. Extreme and outrageous conduct causing emotional distress. Let's remember that fragile class, elderly children, and pregnant women. <laughs> Bystander claims for emotional distress. Well, let's see how many we got here. Bystander claims. I just want to get through these intentional torts here. Okay, we're close. Bystander claims for emotional distress. Basically, they have to be closely related to the person who was injured or killed. And you have to be present when the injury occurred. And you have to suffer severe emotional distress. Okay? Related to the person, present when the injury occurred, suffer severe emotional distress. Okay? You don't need to see everything that happens. I I remember there was a question where a sign fell on someone. You didn't quite see it, but you were there. You just have to be present. You could also hear it. Right? And still be present. You don't have to be in the zone of danger. You don't have to be in the zone of danger for this. It's just someone you're closely related to. And you're present when the injury occurred. All right. Next, we got trespass to land. Basically, it's just physical invasion of their property. Their real property. Their land, right? Remember, you could step onto their land. You could also throw an object onto their land. It's anything tangible. All right. Must be a physical invasion. So basically, if you shine lights down or, you know, spray some sort of stink bomb or whatever, that's going to that's going to maybe be covered under nuisance. Right. There is. You know, planes fly over uh, people's land all the time. You think, hey, shit, that's not that's not trespass the land. You're probably right. And you know why you're right? Because trespass the land only includes space and airspace and and 
underground to a reasonable distance. Can they reasonably use that land? Could they use that airspace? So say if someone threw a ball over someone's yard and it doesn't even hit the ground, it just flies from one side over their yard to the other side, that's probably a trespass to land because they could use that airspace right there. Okay? And you just have to have intent to enter the land. You don't need to know you're trespassing. You just need to know that you wanted to go there. Okay? But if I got knocked out and I fell onto the land, you know, that's not trespass to land. Trespass to chattel or conversion. Here's what it's both interference with the plaintiff's right of possession of that property. Both of these, trespass to chattel and conversion, is interference with their possession of that property. But trespass to chattel is only a minor interference or damage. Conversion, that shit's gone. All right, it's completely destroyed or it's lost. So what you might see is someone taking someone else's golf clubs. And they don't know. That doesn't matter. You don't need to know. It's just, You could think it was your golf clubs, but you took someone else's property. You interfered with their possession of that property, right? And then you go and you put them in your trunk and the car gets stolen. Now what? With the golf clubs. Golf clubs are gone. What do we have here? We have conversion. Because they're completely gone. So here's the difference between trespass and conversion. With trespass... The plaintiff could get the cost of repair or maybe like the rental value of that property. So say say the golf clubs came back, but there was a ding on it, right? That might be trespass to chattel and I'd get the, the cost for maybe that one club, but, or to fix that ding. But conversion, you get the full market value of the chattel or the land, Okay. Now that's intentional torts. I'm the host, Neil Gorgeous. I hope you enjoyed this. Let's keep it clean. Let's keep it nice. Let's keep this MB easy. And let's just do a run back real quick. All right, we're going to do a quick, quick run back real quick on all of these. Assault, reasonable apprehension of a battery. That's what I want you to know. A battery, harmful or offensive contact to the person. Person could be anything they're touching. False imprisonment, confined to a bounded area. Restraining them to a bounded area. Shopkeeper privilege, if you reasonably know of a theft, you could reasonably detain them for a reasonable amount of time in a reasonable manner. Bunch of reasonable shit. Intentional infliction of emotional distress. What do we know? It's extreme and outrageous conduct. Extreme and outrageous conduct that causes severe emotional distress. Right? And it could be intentional or it could be reckless. The bystander claim, we know this. Someone gets seriously injured or killed. They are closely related and you're present when the injury occurs. And then you have emotional distress. Trespass the land. Invasion of their property, their real property. That's it. You walk onto their land. A physical invasion of their property. Trespass to chattel and conversion. Chattel is a minor interference with their possession. Conversion is a major interference 
With trespass, you get the repair cost. With conversion, you get the full market value. All right? And that is all we have for today. MBE.